Hello, friends, and welcome to the Coastline Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message will equip, encourage, and edify you in your journey of life. We'd love to connect with you. Please email us at info at coastlinecc.org. And for more information about our church and our services, visit coastlinecc.org. Now let's open our hearts and open God's Word. Joy, the definition in the dictionary says a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. That's Webster's definition uh, of joy. A great pleasure, a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. Now, when you come to the Bible definition of joy, it, it takes a, adds a little bit more to it, and we're going to get to that in a moment. But when you think about joy, um, you can probably go back in your mind, in your memories, to times of excitement and fun and, and great things. I can think back, especially on this season, um, Christmas as a, as a kid. And yes, as a kid, it had so much to do with you know what I got. But the truth is, there's only a few gifts I can remember getting as a kid, but I remember everything surrounding Christmas morning. Again, yeah, I, I don't remember exactly what I opened, only a few things. I remember when my dad got a, uh, a desktop computer. It was this giant monitor, and it was this big tower, and it was like, computers were the thing, man. And, and uh, I used to play Sim Theme Park on it, and The Sims. Anyone ever play The Sims when you're growing up? Great. Yes, exactly. But we got this computer, and we were so excited, and my dad probably got it for, like, business stuff, but we thought it was a gift for us. Yeah, thanks, Dad. You know, it's great. Um, but besides the stuff we got, I mean, goodness gracious, again, I don't remember most of that, but... I do remember waking up, 243 Michigan Ave, Holyoke, Massachusetts, in my little room with the wood paneling, and my dad was so strict about Christmas morning. We couldn't just, you know, you see in the movies, like, kids just get up from their rooms and run downstairs and tear open gifts before their parents are even up. We never were allowed to do that. I feel like if I tried to do that, I would have been kicked out of the house at, like, 7. Like, it just wasn't okay to do that. And if you did, great. I'm jealous of you because I never got to do that. But my dad would come in. We'd all be up like 6 o'clock. And we're like, Dad, can we get up? He's like, no, 7 o'clock or whatever the time was. And, and uh, we'd go and he'd, we'd make us wait in our room. And he'd go out. We had a fireplace, a small fireplace at the house. And, and um, he'd put a fire together. And you could hear him chopping the kindling. And then we'd you know, he'd get everything set up. And it would still be a little bit dark out because it was like you know, 6, 30, 7 o'clock in the morning in December. And, and he'd say, all right, you guys can come out. And we'd come out the door and we'd walk there'd be a long hallway to the living room. And my parents still live in the same house. And the tree would always be in front of the little picture window in front of the house, right at the end of our hallway. And you could come out the door, and the hallway lights would be off, and you could see the glow of the Christmas tree, the presents under the tree. And we'd walk out, and there'd be a fire going. And before we did anything, we had to read Luke chapter 2 um, in its entirety, which is like 60 verses. So as a kid, you're like, hurry up. Like, they have, he'd have each one of us read. So when my stinking sister... My little sister started to learn how to read. She's a super slow reader. And, you know, she'd be like, and, and David, this, and that, that, that. And I'd be like, hurry up. Like, the Christmas spirit was gone. Like, I wanted to just throw my Bible at her. And, um, but we'd read through Luke 2. My dad would pray, and then we'd open gifts. But just everything surrounding Christmas morning, it's, it's joy. I look back on it with joy. I think of my wedding day to my, my precious wife, Marissa. It would be 13 years uh, this coming May. Right? 13. I was right. I knew I was right, but I'm double-checking, okay? 13 years um, this coming May, but go back to that wedding day. And you think of her coming through the back doors of that little church in Holyoke, and just so excitement and joy. Uh, my first son being born, joy. My first day as a youth pastor in Michigan back in 20, January of 2012, it was like a dream come true for me. I'm in my 
office and it was you know chugging Mountain Dews and I'm like this is awesome this is great uh, my, my first day even beyond that my first day uh, our first day of coastline together you know over at Traders Lane a feeling of joy seeing most of you here in the room you know over there at the in-law apartment uh, our baptism Sunday here was a day of joy for me uh, just so thrilled and it's so exciting and you think about joy and greater than all those feelings of joy in my life, and I could go on and on, and so could you, of stories in your life. There was a night of great joy that surpassed any other day in human history. And we find that night of joy in Luke chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you can go there, and the scriptures will be on the screen. And my phone's giving me a hard time, so I'm just going to give them to you there. Luke chapter 2 and verse 4. And the, you probably heard the scriptures, maybe even from Charlie Brown Christmas when, when uh, uh, you know, who, was it Linus is, is quoting the scriptures, all right, am I wrong? And, and here's the scriptures, we're going to read them, and don't just hear them like you've heard them a thousand times, but really try to step into it this morning. Luke chapter 2, verse 4, it says, And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he is of the house and lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same countries shepherds abiding in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. We talked about peace last week and those shepherds protecting their flock and kind of in fear of, for a wolf or, a, or an animal to come attack them or a thief. And, and they're always looking over their shoulders. And then that night we talked about glory to God in the highest. The angels came and announced this news. We're going to talk a little bit more about before that uh, announcement from the angels. The same country, sh sh uh, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Verse 9, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Verse 10. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. We're going to... Break down verse number 10 in just a moment, and then we're going to kind of make some applications in our own lives today. Um, before we do, let's pray, ask God to bless our service in here, and ask God to bless the kids back there, uh, that they'll learn something as well. And I believe God's got, a, got something for you this morning. We love you, Lord. We thank you. Thank you for the worship this morning that we've been able to participate in. Help it always to be authentic and, and pointed towards you. Um, Lord, thank you for, for Lord, we, we can believe and trust that you will reign forevermore. Yes, on earth one day, when you, when you establish your kingdom, but even in our lives, God, you're in control. You're in control of our circumstances. You're in control of our lives and of the things that happen. Lord, you reign, and we thank you for your sovereignty. We thank you for uh, the, the opportunity and the privilege we have to trust in you. Bless the message this morning. Use it in someone's heart. And uh, Lord, teach us something today in your precious name. Amen. Verse number 10, the angel comes and says to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be 
to all people. I'm going to break down that phrase uh, quickly, and then we're going to jump into the application, and we'll be out of here shortly. So focus, hone in, and I appreciate you listening so well. The angels come, okay? Obviously, it says in the scriptures that the shepherds here watching their sheep are afraid. They're scared. They're nervous. Suddenly, this bright light comes in the dark of night, and it's an angel, and it says they're sore afraid. They're really afraid. They're wicked afraid. They're nervous. What's going to happen? Are they coming to destroy us? What is the deal? And the angel begins his proclamation with two important words, exactly what these shepherds needed to hear on that night. And he says, fear not. They must have been spooked. They must have been nervous. So before anything else, before he talks about uh, the Savior coming of the house of David, great tidings, of, he says, fear not. The angel says, fear not. Church, I believe that today in your life and in the midst of your circumstances, God is still speaking to you and saying, fear not. Listen, we need good news. This, this world, our lives are often full of not so good news, full of bad news. And we need good news. We need voices in our lives that give life. We need voices and people and influence in our life that, that, that are, are encouraging us, yes, number one, to, to, to trust Him and to, to lean on the Savior. But we need voices of life in our life. Listen, fear is a liar. Fear is a liar. The fears that we have in our hearts about our futures, about our present, uh, fear over our past being exposed, whatever it may be, fear is a liar. And the angels came and told these frightened shepherds to fear not. It's okay. I've got good news for you. Uh, good tidings of, of great joy. And church, we have good news in our life. The scriptures, uh, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, fear not, the angel started. Then he says, for behold, I bring you good tidings. Listen, there was no better news than what that angel was about to say. Yes, for those shepherds that night, but for you and I today. There's no better, listen, you could get a job promotion, you could, get a, you could win the lottery, you could fill in the blank, all the great things you'd like to ha have happen in your life and good news that you'd like to get, but there is no better news for you and for me uh, than, this, than the news of a Savior being born in Bethlehem that night, of God coming to earth, Emmanuel, God with us, coming to earth on that cold Bethlehem night. And what a blessing that the angels chose to, to announce the birth of the Messiah, God coming to rescue his people, just to some lowly shepherds. Man, he could have gone to the kings of the ages there, but no, the God saw fit for the angel to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ coming to earth to those lowly, dirty, probably smelly shepherds on that hillside in that cold night. And he brings... That same new, he brought that same news to your life. Somebody shared Jesus with you. Somebody, whether it was your parents or a friend or family or a church or whatever, somebody shared Jesus with you and brought good news to you, good tidings of great joy. The, the, the word joy is all throughout Scripture. But the words great joy are much more rare because it's something bigger than just your you know, good news. This is the best news of all time. This is this news of Jesus. This is joy incarnate. This is nothing better could happen to the people of Israel, to those shepherds, to the world, to all of mankind than Jesus coming to earth. And it finishes by saying, good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. I love that, that the angel 
And God saw fit for the angel to say that, which shall be to all people, not just a specific group of people, not just a certain nationality, but no, good news for the world, for everyone, no matter who, no matter what's happened in your life, no matter what you've done, this good news of Jesus Christ come to rescue his people. Yes, not from, not from Roman rule or from tyranny or dictatorship. Uh, no, no, not, not a physical sense of rescue, but a spiritual sense of rescue. And that's for us as well. What is the good news, the good tidings of great joy? Verse 11 says, it's for unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. He is the reason that they didn't have to fear. He, was the, he is the reason that you don't have to live in fear either. He is the good tidings of great joy. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. He is the giver of joy. In church, we need to live lives of joy. In this life, listen, we need a, a sturdy joy. Not, not, not a joy in something or a happiness in something that's going to fade away, but something that will last, something that won't fade. And the only thing in life, the only joy that is sturdy enough for us to stand upon and for it not to falter is Jesus Christ. He is the only source of true, authentic joy. We must live lives of joy. We must. Not just at Christmas. But Christmas is a wonderful time to focus on words like joy and peace. And today, I want to give you three practical challenges for your life this morning as a believer, as a child of God, for your joy, for your joy. Number one is this. Joy must be recognized. Joy must be recognized. Here's what I mean by that. Joy is what happens when we allow ourselves to recognize how good things really are in our lives. I want to say it again. Hear it. Believe it. Understand it. Joy is what happens when we allow ourselves to recognize how good things really are in our lives. And let me pause and take that statement and say that the good things in our lives, the, the good in our lives, it's God. It's God. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, the scriptures say. Joy must be recognized. Philippians 4.4, 4, Paul says this and challenges the church this. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. We must recognize joy. We must look around and not miss it. Listen, I, I often miss this. I allow my circumstances to determine my level of or, or lack of joy. I think we all do. But I'm speaking for me this morning. You can think about your own heart and your own life. But I often miss this. I often don't recognize my joy. I often uh, miss the blessings of God in my life and what he's doing. Listen, I see, I see problems instead of purpose. I see, I see the issue, the struggle, the stress, instead of what God wants to do through that issue and struggle and stress. I see pain instead of growth. Man, I don't like what's happening in my life. This is frustrating. This is annoying. God, why would you do this? And I see the pain and just let the pain rule in me instead of seeing the growth that God is going to give me through that pain. Because I'm telling you, church, there are things in your life that hurt, that suck, that aren't great, that you hate. And I'm telling you, you say, why is this happening to me? 
And all you see and all you want to focus on because it's easy is the pain, is the struggle. When in reality, God brought that in his sovereignty, in his control into your life for a specific purpose to draw you more near to him, to make you more like him. I see pain instead of growth. I see frustrations instead of opportunity. Even little things in life. Even little frustrations in life that, that might annoy me or might frustrate me. And, and I, just, I said, man, this is so annoying, this is so stupid. When in reality, it's an opportunity to show grace. Those frustrations in life, whether it's my kids or in my marriage or at work or driving, whatever it may be, I see them just simply as frustrations of life. This is annoying. Why can't people just do what I want them to do? Say what I want them to say. What's the deal here? I see them as frustrations instead of an opportunity to show grace, to, to maybe personally in my life uh, um, make some changes and adjustments in my life. Because there's probably a lot of things in my life that frustrate me that really shouldn't. That don't really need to frustrate me. But in my selfishness and pride, which all of us have, I say, you're not doing things the way that I think you should do them. And that frustrates me. I see frustrations instead of opportunity for growth in my own life. Listen, I have tried, and, and, and by the grace of God, by the way, by the grace of God in me, I've tried to force myself to look on the bright side. Look, you ever heard that? Look, look on the bright side of life. Look at the bright side even on the dark days. Not easy. Man, it's not easy when you pray for an answer to a, a specific need in your life and even have faith that God will answer that. And then he does answer it, but not in the way you thought he would. I'll, I'll be honest. I thought that the Lord was going to give us that house on Trader's Lane. I believe that. I said, man, this house is perfect for us. We've been here three years. The kids love it. God's going to give us this house. God's going to get, Lord, I, in faith, I, I, I'm claiming the victory. You're going to give us this house. Guess what? He didn't. He didn't. And, and I'll tell you, it was challenging because I'm thinking, Lord, I thought that, <laughs> you know, here it is. Lord, I thought that I figured this out. I thought we were on the same wavelength here, right? Come on. Like, I know you pretty well. Come. I was, no. And in those moments of confusion, doubt, Sometimes utter darkness. Listen, I have to try by the grace of God to look on the bright side. How can I do that? How can I see light in the middle of darkness? How can I see the sun on a stormy day? Only Jesus. Only Him. Because in our strength, in our mental capacity, in our own intelligence, we will fail every time. We'll get, we'll get logical and say, well, this is just, this never could be any positive out of this at all. But the scriptures say all things. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Joseph said to his brothers when they sold him into slavery and he spent years in jail and finally God promoted him and God rescued him from that and suddenly his brothers are the ones in need and, 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 and they think Joseph, their brother's going to kill them for selling them all these different things. And Joseph says, no, 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 you meant it unto me for evil, but God meant it for good. You know what that is? That's looking on the bright side. That's looking at the, the right side. That's looking at Jesus Christ in control of our lives. So what can you do to recognize your joy? I want to give you some practical things now with this. How can you recognize your joy? I want to tell you, look to the scriptures. Look to the scriptures. I have all the scriptures already written down, and this is just knocking everything over, so I have to have it right here. But listen, you have the word of God at your fingertips, whether it's on your phone or you have an actual Bible. 
I'm telling you, how, how can I recognize my joy? How can I remember the joy that I have that's already there, maybe clouded by something in my life? Look to the scriptures and be reminded of how faithful your father is. Look to the Psalms and see David in need still praising God. Look to the Gospels of Jesus Christ in his life and all the times he answered problems and performed miracles for other people that he wants to perform for you. Look to uh, all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament of the times that God has never failed. Look to the Scriptures. Ask God for grace to, to be thankful Ask God for grace to have joy. Hey, realize that the joy is already there, but maybe just hidden under negativity. Realize that the joy is in us. We have Jesus in our hearts. We have Jesus in our lives. Listen, he's in control. But sometimes we get so negative and cynical and miserable that it's blocked by all the negativity in our life. It's really a, a point of view thing. We're looking at things in a negative light. Realize that the joy is there. How we look at life, how we respond and react to situations in life. Really look around your church. I could look around this room right now and point out all the imperfections that I want to fix, but we have to save up money to fix. Or I could look around at what God has done in this room and remember what it looked like a year and a half ago. I could look beyond the physical attributes of the room, the chairs and the carpet, and look at the precious faces of people here that God has brought to us. To point of view things. Look around your life. Remember what God has already done. And like I said earlier in this point, it all points back to him. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. From the Father. It's from him. Recognize your joy. Joy must be recognized. And when you recognize that joy and you start to realize, yes, you know, I have a lot to be joyful about. Joy also, number two, must be protected. It must be protected. Joy must be protected. Hear this, church. You need to hear this this morning. When God gives you true reasons for joy, I'm talking about lasting, sturdy joy. When God gives you true reasons for joy, you better realize and remember that the enemy will try to give you reason for anxiety, for sorrow, and for discontentment. Yes, every reason that we can recognize of joy in our lives, the enemy on the other side is trying to uh, tear all that down and give us reasons, not for joy, but for anxiety, for disappointment, for discontentment. You have an enemy. Romans 12, 12 says, rejoicing in hope. Rejoicing in hope. We're going to hear about hope uh, probably next week, uh, the message. Rejoicing in hope, but it says semicolon, patient in tribulation. Continuing instant in prayer. Paul said that because, listen, yes, we can have joy, but that doesn't take away all the problems in life. It doesn't take away all the issues in life. We must protect that joy. Church, you know me. I always try to be very transparent and very open and brutally honest about myself. To be honest, I don't protect my joy like I should. I just don't. Oh, I wish I did more. By the grace of God, I, it's easier to fret it's easier to complain. It's easier to worry. It's easier to just let my joy go unprotected and just kind of not really care, just not think, not be aware of the enemy in my life trying to drag me down. It's easier to let my mind and let my spirit go and heart go unprotected. And when that happens, joy leaves. When I don't have... Uh, 
I'm not protecting that joy. Listen, when that happens and I just kind of become unaware of it and just don't really think much about it and just complain and worry and fret, joy leaves and all the negative emotions march right in the front door and rule the city of my life. Church, this is spiritual warfare. We are in spiritual warfare. You better believe that. You better recognize that. This is not just a cakewalk of life where we come to church on Sundays and uh, all great weeks. I spent my hour, I sang a few songs, I heard the Bible preach, and now I can spend the rest of my life and the rest of this week kind of doing my thing. And and then Sunday I'll go back. No, no, no. Every day of your life, every moment of your life, we are in spiritual warfare. There is a war going on for your heart all the time. There is a war going on for your mind and your thoughts all the time. There is a war, a spiritual war going on for your time, for your priorities, for your love, for your affection all the time. And Proverbs 25, 28 says this. Listen to it, hear it, and write the scripture down, the the reference, Proverbs 25, 28. He that has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. And you know what we do? We walk through life just letting our circumstances determine really everything. Our feelings, our emotions, our decisions, our choices. And we walk around really not with a wall of protection around our heart and mind, uh, protection of God I'm talking about, just in Lord, I'm trusting in you, I'm resting in you, no matter what happens, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving in your hand. We walk around, and we have no control over our emotions. Our emotions control us. Listen, he can be and wants to be the Lord of your emotions. Emotions are not a sin, by the way. I'm not one of those guys that thinks, you know, it's not, listen, I'm an emotional guy, believe me. But he wants to be the Lord of your emotions. He wants to put walls up around your heart and mind to protect you. What will you do? What can you do to protect your joy? Because joy must be protected. What can you do to protect your joys? Again, church, look to the scriptures. Fill your heart, fill your mind with the word of God. There's power in the word of God. There is truth in the word of God. Listen, this this word, the word of God has changed your life. they, They are life. Look to the scriptures, pray, guard yourself from negativity. I mean, it's all around us, but guard yourself from negativity. Man, if if social media depresses you, then get off social media. Just get off Facebook, get off whatever else you got. Just get off it. If all you do is compare your life and wish this, and by the way, I've been there, then get off it. I mean, don't watch the news if if it's negatively affecting your mind and heart. If you've got influences in your life that are constantly negative, Man, then do your best by the grace of God without being a jerk to avoid that. Why would we put ourselves around situations where we know it's going to affect our spirit? We're not protecting our joy. Negative people. Again, I'm not saying we just have to cut people off and I've completely... I'm just saying you need to be wise. Ask God for wisdom. Because if there's negative influences in your life and negative people, no matter who they may be, friends, family, I don't... Listen, you say, God, this is hurting my spirit. This is drawing me away from you. Give me wisdom. I need to know what to do because I want to protect my joy. Listen, don't let anything rob that joy. When Jesus is the source of your joy, listen, when Jesus is the source of your joy, nothing can take that away unless you let it. 
Joy in everything else will fade. Joy in everyone else alone will fade. Not in Jesus. Listen, he gives us so many blessings in life, but it all points back to him. Nothing is going to steal my joy. Man, decide that. Determine that in your heart. Nothing will steal my joy because it's found in Jesus Christ and he never fails. He's never failed me once and he won't ever fail me. Nothing can steal my joy. Joy must be recognized, must be protected, and lastly, it must be shared. Joy must be shared. When you discover real, lasting joy, I'm talking about real, lasting joy in Jesus Christ, you won't be able to help yourself from sharing it. When that's real in your heart. But I'll say this, you may not be able to help yourself, but once you stop sharing that joy, once you allow your joy to not be protected and recognized and and you don't share it, once you stop sharing your joy in time, you probably won't have it either. You probably won't have it either. That joy will begin to fade away because you've decided to set your affections on things down here. And those things will fail you. Psalm 66, 16 says, Come and hear all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. The the psalmist says, hey, come here. Come and hear. I want to tell you something. I want to tell you all that God has done for me in my life. In church, Christmas time is a wonderful time for joy. It's a time to, to share that joy that you have in Jesus Christ. Yes, with families, with friends, with strangers. Listen, I want to walk around with a spirit of joy. Ask my wife. I don't always do that. She said, hey, you okay? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Merry Christmas. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> no, I sometimes allow my situations and issues to steal that joy. And, to, and you know what I'm not doing? I'm not sharing, I'm not sharing anything but negativity. I want, to share, I want to walk around with a spirit of joy. Why? Because a spirit of joy is contagious. I mean, there's some people I just love being around because you know what? They encourage me just by their presence, just by their tone of voice even sometimes. People that have a spirit of joy. So I have a lot to be joyful about. I'm saved by the grace of God. Jesus died for me. I have a home in heaven. I can live a life of peace on earth because of Jesus Christ. I have grace for daily living. I can make it. I have power given to me through Jesus Christ for all things pertaining to life and godliness, it says in 1 Peter. Listen, that's something to be joyful about. I have a beautiful wife. I have four precious boys. I have a wonderful church that God's given me. I have an opportunity to pastor. I have wonderful friends. I have my health. I have a job. I have a car. On and on. I have so much to be thankful and joyful about. And all those things in life that bring joy, listen, I have to walk around sharing that joy. Because I'll tell you, there's a lot of people in your life and in my life that are living lives with no joy. And they do need some encouragement. They do need us to share that joy of Jesus with them. How can I share my joy as we finish, as we close? Simple things here, church. Can you just smile? Right, Mercy? Mercy's like, ah, I've got Smile. Some of you look ticked off. Smile. Be, man, just have joy. Smile. Laugh. Show, show interest in people. Say, well, I'm not really interested in anybody. Well, you should pray about that. <laughs> Buy somebody a cup of coffee. Buy me a cup of coffee. No. Buy somebody else a cup of coffee. Do something for somebody out of the ordinary. With no expectations. <gasps> yeah, it's Christmas till now. Yeah, do it. I dare you. Serve somebody else. Start training yourself to give unconditionally without thinking twice about it. I'm not saying being foolish. 
saying, asking God for wisdom, but also following the Spirit of God when he says, yeah, I want you to do that for that person. But Lord, I got this. No, just do it. Start training yourself to give unconditionally. And in April too, not just at Christmas time. All the time. We may celebrate the birth of Jesus at Christmas, but you know what? Just because he was born around Christmas time, whenever it may be, and we celebrate it now, doesn't mean that in July we're supposed to be selfish. No, we need to be giving and sharing that joy all the time. How can I share my joy? Tell the story of Jesus. Share the grace of God in your life with others. Talk about your experience with Jesus Christ. That's sharing joy. That's sharing your joy. Man, worship, how can I share my joy? By, by Sunday morning when we stand up and, and maybe stumble through a brand new worship song, man, you sing it out anyway. Or it's a song that you don't really like, sing it out anyway. Or it's a song that you love, but you're still nervous. Man, sing it out anyway and worship him in joy. It's all about Jesus. Joy must be shared. Listen, it was 2,000 years ago in that little stable in Bethlehem when joy arrived. Hallelujah for it. He brought joy that night. He's still bringing it today. He's our peace. He's our hope. He's our joy. He is our joy. Psalm 16, 11 says this. It says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. Talking to God. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Church, you have got to recognize your joy. To, to, to block out that negativity. Really, you've got to do it. It takes work, by the way. It takes discipline. It's not just going to happen. You've got to do something about it. You've got to choose to have joy. By the grace of God in your life, I'm going to have a joyful spirit. I'm not going to be a jerk. I'm not going to be selfish. By the grace of God in me, he's going to give me the strength and power and wherewithal to have a joyful spirit. I'm going to recognize the blessings of God in my life. And when I recognize those blessings and that joy comes, I'm going to protect that joy. I'm not going to let anything rob that joy. I'm not going to let anything steal that joy. Circumstances may come. Trials may come. Issues may come. But I'm still going to rest in Jesus Christ because he is the source of my joy. And when I have that joy and it's protected, I'm going to go around and share that joy with other people. Even when I don't feel like it, I'm going to share that joy with the world because the world needs joy. The people at your workplace need joy, real, lasting, authentic joy. They're probably searching for in every other thing in life. And you know where true joy can be found. Don't keep it to yourself. Just share that joy. Share it. He's saying, joy to the world. The Lord has come. And to recognize it, protect it, and share it. Thank you again for listening to the Coastline Baptist Church Podcast. We hope the message was an encouragement to your heart. Please connect with us through our website, coastlinecc.org, or on Facebook or Instagram. Send us a message, send us an email, and we'd love to connect with you. We'd also love if you could visit us for a Sunday morning service. You can find our address on our website, and our services start at 10 a.m. Our mission at Coastline is simply this, to know Jesus deeply and to show Jesus daily. I hope that we've helped you do that in your life today. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.